All right, here we are now. And today, I'd like us to take a look at this question, what is soul? And we're going to look at Anthony Kiedis by a kind of example or <laughs> a sort of funny personality to help illustrate this question and some of the ideas surrounding this question. What is soul? But just to get up and running and to sort of get a bit of a sketch, working sketch, working definition, we can draw upon a number of different psychological answers or answers from the world of psychology as to what is soul. Now, some psychologists, for example, Peter Ospensky and his guru, George Gugiev, have the general idea that your soul is something that you actually develop within yourself. You actually have to consciously work on it. You have to actually take steps to draw that out from yourself. And when you do that, and when you have that as a part of your experience and your understanding, then your behaviors change, your motives change, the way you speak, the way you see the world changes. Someone who's operating from a place of soul, in other words, is someone who has developed their soul and that's their propellant. Now, a different side, or to sort of contrast that, you might say, well, someone's operating from their ego, or they're operating from their impulsive desires, or they're operating from their personality, or they're operating from their conditioning. So that's one sort of answer to this. Soul is something that is not a given, right? Ospensky said that, no, soul isn't always there. Not everyone does have it. You have to earn it. Now, let's take another sort of approach to this, and we'll draw upon the ideas of someone like Rogers or sort of Himmerman or some of those sort of psychologists. Their idea was that soul was always there, and it is always there. It's just that we need to reveal it to ourselves. So you have a soul, and the soul is a part of you. It's just that you need to have less of the other things. And that would mean that your soul is unique to you in the same way that your personality is unique to you, and your motives and your creativity and all of that. It is there, but you need to reveal it. And this difference between building and revealing is quite different, right? Building is a sort of active, constructing sort of, we need to piece things together, we need to gather resources, we need to do work. Whereas revealing is more about, okay, listening. It's more about perceiving something of yourself. It's more about just taking a moment to observe. So it's a lot more passive. Now, in both of these examples of whether you're building a soul or revealing your soul to yourself, there's personal awareness involved, right? There has to be some sort of higher knowledge coming to you that you're working with. So in a sense, it might be just sort of like semantics as to which one is it or which one isn't it. 
Now, let's take another approach. This is a third approach, and this is where we sort of go a little bit off from the psychology schools and the ideas of sort of Western psychology, and we go towards more the Eastern philosophy, which is where you have your Hinduism, your Taoism, and even in your Abrahamic religions, there is this idea. Well, okay, so the soul is actually something there that is eternal. So Buddhism really illustrates this nicely. You say, you are a soul that comes to this world, and then all the other stuff is actually put on top of that. Your personality, your conditioning, your society, your, your, your family conditioning, your, your ego, all of that stuff is there. And then when you die, all that other stuff goes off because it's, your body is dead, your ego is dead, and then you have your soul continue on into something else. Almost like the soul is something that is eternal. Now here, we have to be very careful, and the way to understand this is tricky, simple, but tricky. The soul, from these sort of broad religious ideas, has sort of two conclusions. It's like, okay, so I'm eternal, so there's something in me that's going to live forever. Does that mean I have this eternal life? Does that mean there's an afterlife? Does that mean I'm going to remember what it is that my life was after I've died? That's the first conclusion. But the other conclusion is actually more about the experiential self-dissolving process, or what we might call broadly enlightenment. And this is where you say, okay, I'm transcending my ego and my personality and I'm moving into soul and I'm moving into something that is eternal, which actually can be akin to moving into oneness, moving into the dissolving of all that I am into all of existence, the entire cosmos. So these two ideas or these sort of two conclusions that come from the world religions in relation to this question, what is soul, is very important to understand because they're, they're quite different, right? It's very easy to say, okay, the first conclusion is, ah, I'm eternal, so I'm always going to be here even after I die, or I'm always going to exist. Or the second conclusion is, well, there's actually something I transcend into, which is eternal. And when you look at the second of those two of saying, okay, moving into soul is a way of actually going towards some sort of ultimate transcendence, then you say, okay, so we've got some sort of layers to the cake. We've got levels to this. And this is where we come back to psychology because the psychology ideas work with this, or at least if, if a model of psychology is worth anything, then it's hip to this and it's working with this. And you say, okay, well, what gradients can we put into this? What words can we put into this? And this actually is a cause for a lot of confusion around a lot of words, not just the word soul. <laughs> it's also quite confusing for the word ego. It's also quite confusing for the word enlightenment. So what we have is psychologists who have this thing where you say, okay, you start out with your personality or your, your let, let's say you've got your subconscious mind and then your conscious mind. And then on top of that, you've got your personality. And then on top of that, you've got your ego. And then on top of that, you might have your, your witnessing. 
And then on top of that, above that, you might have your soul. And then on top of that, you might have your ultimate enlightenment. Now, those that list of words or these sort of layers, it doesn't really matter too much at this stage which words you put where and what it means, right? This is just sort of a sketch. If we were to really create our own system of psychology, we would say, okay, let's work with that and then go into a de- definition of what each of those levels or stages feels like, how it affects you in the world, how you get to them, how you merge from one to the other, and so on and all the rest of it. And then we've then we've basically invented our own psychology. Basically, we can call that, you know, Doster psychology, which is sort of an, an amalgamation of developmental psychology, Eastern philosophy, and a few different ideas of Western psychology, right? But whatever it is, you're creating that gradient. And the confusion comes because some people would say, okay, well, actually transcending into your soul, that is the final liberation. That is ultimate enlightenment. And other schools of psychology would say, no, transcending through into your soul is only one step beyond which there are a few more before you get to your final enlightenment. So that's a little bit about (laughs) the history of what is soul in psychology and religion. And I'd like to bring this back, of course, also to, well, what does this really mean for us, right? What's the point? How does understanding this really help us in a practical sense? And that's something I'd like to answer. And to <laughs> to apply this to Anthony Kiedis, what is soul? What is soul? I don't know. Quote, according to Anthony Kiedis, soul is roaming the streets at four in the morning and finding your best friend making out with a transsexual in an all-night diner in Cleveland in 1986. (laughs) That comes from one of his song lyrics, and it's very funny when he says that. And that answer from Anthony Kiedis, that is soul. There's something so specific, so spontaneous, so deeply pronouncing of that vocalization (laughs) that you sense it, right? When you hear Anthony Kiedis sing that song or really any song and he's really nailing it, then, then it's soul, right? It's an expression. It's, well, spontaneity. It's creativity. Creativity comes from soul. Real creativity comes from soul. Now, a lot of subpar creativity is actually just pieced together from things around. And that that process is actually part of the growing into soul, right? You need to absorb things from culture. But real creativity, higher creativity, juicy creativity actually comes from soul. It actually comes from your own spontaneity that you've either built or allowed to happen because of the absence of other things. And if you're a fan of the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Anthony Kiedis, then you can sense that originality 
You can sense that spontaneity. That's why it's so unique what their music is. It's so fresh and alive. And of course, it's not always fresh and alive for him, right? Anthony Kiedis in his book does talk about the moments where the band feels flat or the music feels flat. And other times, of course, it feels alive. It feels great. And he says, I don't want to do it unless it really does feel alive, right? So they decide sometimes not to make music together. And that's sort of the back and forth of being in a band. (laughs) Bands come and bands go. And maybe, well, the Red Hot Chili Peppers is forever. I mean, that's a massive band, (laughs) right? And it was funny because I was asking some of my friends, you know, what do you think of Anthony Kiedis? And they'd read his book, Scar Tissue, and I've read that book. That is a very, it's very, I mean, there's soul in it, but there's also a lot of darkness. There's also a lot of distasteful disgust in it. And one of my friends, I talked to talked to him, and, he, and I said, oh, what did you think of it? And he said, Wow, it made me feel really alive. It it felt enthralling to read it as a kid. And then I asked him, well, how do you feel now? And then he thinks, oh, well, I probably feel quite different about it now. And I asked another friend and she said that, well, I was like, wow, you read that book as a woman. That must be a very different experience to read Scar Tissue as a woman rather than a man because Anthony Kiedis... In, in his story, he's very much this, this macho, ego-asserting, like conquering, like, like having sex with thousands of women, just having heaps of drugs, just having heaps of people just after him. And you get this, this very much sense of how selfish he is and how sort of like strong he is of just getting what he wants, like going after what he wants, right? As a man, as a young young man, I sort of read that book and came away just feeling like, wow, I really want to go out and just heaps of women and do heaps of drugs. And I don't know why I feel like that, <laughs> right? I don't know why I have to have that feeling after reading so much of it but then but then there's also along with that this there's a there's a uh, like like a distaste like a oh there's a kind of pain in that feeling and i and i asked my my friend who's who was a girl a woman young lady like wow you're a woman so how do you feel like that reading that story from the man's perspective and she said, well, when she was younger, she was like, wow, that's an amazing turn on, right? This amazingly, you know, rock star guy, really confident, really powerful, so much status. And then she said now that she's older and she's moved on and she's grown as a mature adult, she can actually see that there's quite a lot of hurt in that man. She can see that there is so much pain and her reaction, she said, to the book now, she thinks, would be more like, you know, tapping on the sho- tapping him on the shoulder and saying, are you okay? Is there something we need to discuss? Is there something you need to work with? Because for you to be like that, 
for you to be wandering through the world with that kind of relationship with people, that is just obvious that something has gone terribly wrong. It's just obvious that you're hurting deeply, psychologically, relationally. And, of course, that book does only cover up to so much of Anthony Kiedis's life, right? This is his younger self. Maybe now he has learnt some new things about himself and he has grown into his own awareness, his own personal self-knowledge, his own understanding of where he sits in life. And, I mean, I do, I do wonder, right? We can only wonder, we, we common peasants, how much do those rock stars really know about themselves? And, and, and rock star culture and celebrity culture is sort of its own issue. But to sort of see that story and to love the music and to feel the soul, that is not necessarily the answer to how do you have soul, right? Because that's what we're all drawn to in the Red Hot Chili Peppers. If you ask someone, why, why do you like the Red Hot Chili Peppers music? It's the soul. And you could say, well, it's also the personality. <laughs> and that might be a better categorization of it. And it is very much personality. But if you were to press on that, well, what do you mean by a personality? What do you mean by a soul? Then, then it's hard to put into words. Right? You can't actually say it specifically. It's just, it's just something about him. Something about Anthony Kiedis where he has the soul and he can express it so well. That's what we're feeling when we hear the music. So the logical thing then when we see someone with soul is to go, okay, how did you do that? I need to do that for myself. So you analyze their music, you read their books, (laughs) and you see the sort of life that they live. And you think, ah, okay, so that's what I've got to do. And it's like, no, this is completely wrong. In so many ways, Anthony Kiedis has no idea what he's doing. He has no idea as to how he got to where he got. Like his explanation of why it is that he is what he is, is most likely a very simple, just enough for him to operate from thing. Now, that's not to say that big, complex stories and elaborate explanations are necessarily an indication of self-knowledge or self-depth, right? You can explain yourself in very few words and have very deep depth behind it. But that depth is an indication of, well, where you're really at. And this sort of nicely comes back to, well, we have personality, we have ego, we have subconscious mind, we have soul, we have transcendence, we have enlightened states. And wherever you're at, you're going to talk from that. And it might be that we are sensing this amazing soul coming from Anthony Kiedis and he doesn't know it for himself. He can't sense it for himself. 
And of course, that's not to say that he can't sense it in a final sense or in sort of a a closed, (laughs) right? Because everyone has a sense of themselves to some degree, right? Like, I, I know what I am. I know exactly what I am. I know my life. I know my life better than anyone else. I have lived my life, right? That's that's like the first assumption, right? That's like the first basic operating principle is we walk around thinking we know what we are and not even necessarily thinking it but feeling it. Like I know what's going on here. But really, there are so ever more deepening levels of life. And it is perfectly possible to walk around and live having no idea what you are. It is possible to say, I have just not a clue as to how I got here as to what I'm doing and how you talk about that can be lip service and it can be very much profound right the the words are only ever just the surface level bubbles just like if someone answers you know what is soul tell me about your soul they start talking about their creativity and their spontaneity and their ideas and their imaginations and their strange sensory experiences or beyond sensory sort of experiences. And it's like, well, okay, that's, that's words. That's an explanation. How far does it really go for you experientially, personally? And I think in that book, Scar Tissue, you really can get a sense of the pain, the real hurt that Anthony Kiedis has lived. And many of that, much of that, is because of the way he relates to people. And that is perfectly tied into how he sees himself, what he thinks about himself, how he asserts himself, the actions that he takes, the impulses that he has, right? The impulse for sex, the impulse for drugs, the impulse for ego gratification or celebrity status. This is not soul, this is impulse. This is reptilian brain gratification. It's not grey matter insight. Right? It's almost like we could put this thing in your brain. We could divide the, 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 the levels of the brain. You know, you've got your reptilian brain just in the back of your head, right where the spine goes, or the, the neck goes into the back of the head, in the back of your skull. And then that sits there, and then on top of that, you've got a little bit more brain. 
And then on top of that, around the front, you've got the, pre, the prefrontal cortex, or just the forehead, right? Those three levels, or those three broad parts, I know there's a lot more, I mean, when we talk about neuroscience, there's a lot more details. We've got Broca Paul's muscle and the, you know, whatever the names for them are. I've forgotten a lot of the names at the moment, but there's all these different parts that they divide it into. But broadly, we have these three parts, and that is just the same as saying, well, you've got impulse, ego, and soul, or base animal instinct at the bottom, then your humanity in the middle, and then your godlike at the top, your transcendence, your enlightenment. And really, the, the whole secret to all this is what it comes down to is, well, knowledge. All you need is knowledge. Because I've explained this to you so simply right now. And now you've had it explained, you can very easily see the difference between, well, is this an animal instinct impulse or is this a stroke of wisdom from beyond? And that is, well, what is soul? All right, so... That's basically today's episode. If you would like to go deeper on this subject, if you would really like to have a very broad understanding and deep and thorough understanding of these psychological methods and pitches, what I would suggest is you go and do my online course, which is Applied Developmental Psychology. So there will be a link somewhere in the description of this video. And you can go and enroll in that course today. It's, some, it's over 20 hours long and we go through multiple systems of psychology and soul and personality and relationships and all the rest of it. It's a, it's a comprehensive course so you can really go deep. So make sure you enroll in that. We'll speak very soon. Thanks very much for tuning in. And that's all I have to say for now.